We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. <laughs> All right. Uh, I um I, I love I love our series that we're in right now, full and overflowing. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I like it because it really we're full and overflowing. It's just great. Amen. Let's go grab a Rob Roy ice cream and oh we go. That was it tonight. That's all we got. I got nothing else. No. Um, oh, we are. We're all and and because uh, and I know I shared this last week and I know I shared it again this morning. But we are full and overflowing of something. Right? We're not empty. There's always something overflowing. Out of your life, as I said, and I, and some of the guys out of Mosgill, this is not the same message, but they're getting some of the same message. Uh, but you know, we we know what we're full of and overflowing of when someone cuts you off when you're driving. Yeah. Who overflows then, or who doesn't overflow? You polite people, come pray for me. <laughs> you're you're overflowing the right stuff. I was I, I I'm I'm a builder by trade, and and I love building things, but. Every time my thumb meets the iron end of a hammer, I overflow with something. I don't know if you've ever overflowed after hitting your thumb with a hammer, anyone. Or maybe you've jammed your fingers in the car door or, or a window or something, anything that maybe you've stood in on something and you're like, oh my, what? And I don't need to create any more licenses that are already running around in your head right now, right? Um, we, uh, we do, we're full of something and we are overflowing of something. And this whole series is about hopefully the something getting named to be more and more like Jesus. Uh, we, we, I am definitely not there. And so I'm preaching and receiving to myself as well. But I pray uh, we could also be like that and say, you know what? Uh, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Uh, and here's the thing. All, all we want, really, I, I think all we ever want is to just uh, be a different person tomorrow than, the, than who we were today. Yeah. Yes, that, that's a good thing. I want to become more and more like Jesus. And so hopefully tomorrow I'm a little bit more like Jesus. Uh, less than what I was uh, today. I, I pray I'm more like Jesus now than I was a year ago. Uh, maybe three years ago, hopefully I'm more, uh, you know, and we personally want to go on this journey to become more and more like Jesus. I, I hope I uh, respond differently today than what I did a year ago or 10 years ago even or 20 years ago or when I was a child. Uh, so we want to learn how to respond. We want to learn how to be full and overflowing of the grace of God. The, the key scripture for this series, and I hope you've been following that in your e-groups. If you haven't, please start. We love doing a series at the beginning of the year together, together, and, and, and people are taking time to minister through this series. Um, so even if students are returning home, just catch up. Yeah. Just catch up. It'll be, it's all good. We're not law. We're not legalistic about this. But anyway, let's go to our Bibles. Ephesians three, chapter nine, verses three, verses nine. Ephesians chapter three, verse nineteen to twenty. Um, and we're reading it out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the Passion because it's awesome. Uh, it may or may not come up on the screen. If it doesn't, that's why we have our own Bibles. 
All right, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 onwards. To know the love of Christ, this is Paul, it says, I pray to, to you that you may know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this is the famous scripture that we hear and quote often. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. I like, I love this. Let's, um, I just want to open this up and I shared it again last week and, and I'm not going to expand on it too much, but I wanted to, I, I like sort of trying to get the context of the scripture. And I looked up the Greek word for the word know there. And really is, it's, is, to, is to know something, but not, not just to know something, but you know something. So it's the journey of getting to say, hey, I, I know someone. Uh, but then there's, there's, it gets to the level of there is an intimate relationship and a connection. Uh, I, I, I met Desiree when I was 14 years old. I saw her from afar and I was like, I want to know that. <laughs> right? Every other guy in this room. Doesn't, hasn't said that about my wife, but they've said that about someone else. Just clarifying what I'm saying here. And so I went on this journey. I was like, I want to know her. And uh, obviously, uh, I worked pretty good and I did the right things. There was the right amount of flowers. There were the right amount of text messages. We didn't have text messages then. We did phone calls. Uh, we didn't need to write letters, but I went on this journey to know, and we got to a place now, we have three amazing, beautiful children, and we've been married almost 21 years, right? Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. And, uh, and, and so there was this, it's just, just not a, oh, hey, yeah, she's cute, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I should have really worked this illustration through in my head. We'll be talking about this in the car on the way home. That's why we have two cars. All right. No. Oh, she's. I'm, I, was, I was praying so much for tonight that it's going to be amazing Holy Spirit moments. I'm still believing for it. Um, but anyway, to, to know is just to go from this, just an average knowing to a, a really connected, intimate knowing. And this is what Paul is saying to us. He's, I, I pray that you would know the love of Christ. So it's like we could know Jesus, but he wants us to, he's saying, I want you to not just know who he is, but I want you to know the love of Christ, the intimate love of Christ, the, 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 the love of Christ that, that just ministers in every moment that we need him to minister to. And it, it says, which passes knowledge. And this, this word knowledge is just a general knowledge. It's just a day-to-day knowledge. And I really think that's important as we know the Scripture because uh, when, we, when, we just, when we get to a place of uh, intimate faith with Jesus, we can go through the day-to-day stuff which throws itself at us. It's just a, a not every sort of day and, and we can just go, we can brush that stuff off. Why? Because we know that that's not what Jesus has for us. That we know that's not what He said to us. We know that's not what we prayed in the morning. We know that He said different things to us, even though stuff comes at us. And that's when it goes on to say, Now to Him who is able to, be to do exceedingly abundantly above all else, that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. See, the intimate knowing of Christ, not just the average knowing, but the intimate knowing of Christ leads to a place of exceedingly abundant power outworking within our life. 
Why? Because I have a confidence in my relationship with my wife. I, I, but but it, did, it, did it get there? No, it started just for like, oh, okay, cool. I know, yeah, all right. But now we're in this place where, where we back each other. Right? We back each other. We believe for each other. We're praying. And that's what Jesus has for us and it has for you is that, hey, he just wants to not just be your average, your ordinary day friend who you open up your uh, uh, version thing, make sure you get your streak up for the day, close it back and check Facebook. Right. So some of us are intimately in love with Facebook and social media more than we are. Anyway, sorry, I'm not here to. But I'm just, I just think it's such a, a, such a powerful principle that if we, if we journey it. And, and I, I mean, I've been in church, if I'm 14, I don't know, lots. I've been in church lots and I've heard lots and lots of message. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. It's like you, someone saying, read your Bible to a dyslexic person. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it's hard work. It really is. It's hard work. It is, and, and I'm not saying it's easier for you, but it's hard work. I can't stand reading. And so now I've learned to listen to podcasts. Now I've learned to read, listen to the Bible on, on audio Bible and all that sort of stuff. And it's just a choice. I'm going, okay. I want to know more about you, Jesus, than, than about what's happening in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so I just, that's just a recap. Right? Um, I want to, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but if you, I, like, there was a craze for a little while that everyone loved reading the Message Bible, and that's cool. And I think, you know, read, read lots of different translations. But a new one that's out, well, it's not really new. It's been around for a little while, but it's the Passion Translation. And I would encourage you to read your, read your normal translation of the Bible, but then read the Passion Translation as well or, or the message. It, it, to me, it's it sort of, it, 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 it uh, magnifies, it illustrates it's something I can connect with. And, and I just want to read you this, and then we're going to get into what I feel God wanting to do. Uh, so Ephesians three seventeen to 20 in the Passion Translation, it says this. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. Isn't that awesome? Then you, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great, uh, great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How wide, sorry, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about you, but when I read through that, I was just like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just, just speak to me in that, Lord. Just, just love me, Lord. And so I want to encourage us tonight, whether it's the first message of, of this series or whether you've been hearing the series so far. Come on, let's just open our heart. Let, let, let us be rooted in the love of Jesus. 
Uh, let's go on a journey that we learn to grow closer and closer with Him. You know, I've heard, I've heard through this series, you know, um, this phrase and just from different, different parts in the e-group series, it says this phrase that I've heard is healthy things grow. Who's heard that before? Healthy things grow. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, at our house, uh, healthy things grow. Uh, here's the thing, weeds are healthy. Right? Just if you don't believe me, come to my house. I have weeds higher than I can stand. We have a glass house that you cannot get into. Uh, you know, if anyone wants a free glass house, you come and take it away. You could take the weeds away with it as well. Um, but, but here's the thing. Healthy things do grow. But did you know that your soul, your heart is fertile? And so whatever gets sown into your heart, will grow, it will grow. Uh, and so this is where I have... I, I understand like we want, a healthy church will grow. An unhealthy church will not grow. Weeds will grow, right? And so we talk about it in that context. Ah, and I pray that, you know, we, we always try and deal with stuff positively and when no one's, we're definitely not portraying that we've got it all sorted out and we're always trying to learn and stuff like that. But we want, I want you to grow. We want people to grow. And, and, and so here's the thing, when it comes to an area of our life, which is our heart, whatever gets in will grow. Whatever gets in will grow. Uh, you know, I, um, I travel a little bit on aeroplanes and, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's cool, it's fun. It's, I, I quite actually enjoy flying and um, even though we have to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and that's, praise Jesus. But, um, here's, but just, there's just one part. I mean, I like flying, but you know, there's just there's one part. I don't know about you, but it's, and especially in, in Dunedin, I'm sorry. If you're part of the airport people, I'm not trying to pay you out at all. But, um, and it's really a first world problem, but um, anyway, move on. Right. Out of the heart flows the issue. Right. The, I don't know about you, but it's just painful going through the security. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you've got all this technology. Why do I have to take my laptop out of my bag? And in fact, I have a laptop and I have this iPad, right? It's huge. I've got to take both my laptop and my iPad out of my bag. I've got to take my phone out of my pocket. I've got to put it through there. If I'm wearing a jacket or a belt, I've got to take that off. And I've got to put that in. And then, um, then, 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 then in Dunedin, it's like a traffic jam because there's five people and they've all got things and they're just trying to jam them on onto the little tray tracky thing. Some of you know what I mean. Some of you don't know what I mean. But then because the, cause what happens is the person who's behind, over here, they get all their stuff off quicker because they only have one laptop or no laptops and, and, the, and all that. And then they shove their thing and there's no room. Yeah. I just feel like I'm just talking to myself right now. It's just I'm just venting, getting some frustration out. And, and we go through the x-ray machines and all, and all that, and you're like, oh, I've done this a number of times, I'm not going to be. When you walk through, beep, beep, ah, and go, go over here, stand up, <laughs> walk out. Oh, yeah, it showed me there. So they, show, you know, they scan wherever you're concealing your weapon or whatever. And, 
And then we go through, and then, and in fact, and then, and then if you're going on an international flight, what do you have to have? You've got to have your passport. I, uh, I've, I've rung up a friend of mine and said, make sure you grab your passport. And he's like, what? And he seriously had to fly back to Napier. I'm not naming who it was. Uh, <laughs> get his passport, fly back to Auckland, and then we went to Melbourne. Um, so we need our passport when we're at the airport as well. Um, do you know there's actually thermal imaging at an airport as well to t- check your temperature? If you have a high fever, they will p- pull you out for health reasons. Yeah. Or if you're sweating and panicking because you're obviously trying to conceal something. I don't know. Um, and so there's a real high level of security. There's a high level of security. And, and, and I, I just get hacked off about it sometimes, the cues, because I have to wait. Oh, it's just me, right? <laughs> okay, I just need to get to the altar by myself. All right. But I, I think, you know, where I'm going with this is like there's this whole lot of security around the border and trying to get onto planes and all that sort of stuff. But the whole thing is we can get frustrated about it and we can get negative about it or we can be impatient about it. But the real reason they do it is to keep you safe, (laughs) to keep me safe. Why? Because they don't want anything, uh, an airplane to be hijacked. They don't want the the destination that the airplane was designed to get to, to be hijacked by something that's not supposed to be on the plane and it takes it to another destination. And and, and tonight I want to talk about how we have to, we want to be full and overflowing, but we, we we have to learn how to put security around our heart. We have to learn how to guard our heart. And you're like, oh my gosh, not another guard your heart message. I've heard these messages. I've been in church so many times, I've got to guard my heart. Guess what? This message is for you. Because well, obviously you've let something in. I said this morning in church, I was like, hey, we should just use John 3.16 for the next two months. The only scripture that we use. I wonder how frustrated we get. Or I wonder how much joy and how open we would get when we continue just to remember that Jesus came into this, God sent his son, his one and only son, to come and die. I can't remember right now. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. I mean, imagine just preaching on that for the next few months. Man, what would happen? But here's the thing tonight, I don't know, and I'm pleased, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit, I'm not really trying to pay you out, but, but it doesn't matter what message gets preached up here. We've got to guard our heart so that only the right things get let in. But sometimes don't overguard it so that nothing gets in. Amen. Um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is the guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know that. What is in our heart will determine the course of your life. What is in your heart will determine the course of your life. What are you meditating on right now? What is in your heart? What, do you, what, do you, what hurt are you holding on to? 
maybe. What, what, what are you believing for? See, in Song of Solomon's, in chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevine uh, blossoming. And I know that's like Song of Solomon's is this intimate interpretation poetry around the love of Christ and, and all that, but we've got to also learn how to catch the little foxes. You know, we've got to learn how to, how to have x-ray machines around our heart. We've got to learn how to uh, let people scan through the devices that we're carrying through. We've got to learn how to, uh, how to make sure our heart is safe. Why? Because when our heart's not safe, what can happen is hijackers can get in and take you to a destination that you were never supposed to be at. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 in the Passion Translation, just because you missed out. Um, so above all, guard the affection of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. You know, um, I, I shared this a number of times as well, but I'm really thankful that the New Zealand law, when you have a vehicle and a car, we actually have to get this thing called a warrant of fitness. And a warrant of fitness is for your vehicle uh, to make sure your vehicle is up to roadworthy standard. And uh, it's, it's funny because I, I just thinking of the concept of it as we take our vehicle to someone and we pay them money to tell us what is wrong with it. <laughs> we can sometimes go to someone and pay their money to tell them to tell us what is wrong with us. Right? I'm not trying to. I think counselling. I think psychologists. I think anything, anyone that is there to help us do stuff and help us get us through life. I 100% back them. I 100% promote them. We put a lot of people through counselling and all that sort of stuff. But I wonder. If we were to do our own guarding of our heart, I wonder if we needed to get that as well. Now, it's both and, please. It's both and. I'm not trying to dis... Um, but I'm just saying sometimes we, we, we've let stuff into our heart that we didn't need to let into our heart. Now, sometimes stuff happens to us and we didn't let it in. It happened. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. And tonight, that's where we're leading to. We're leading to praying tonight. We're leading to loving you tonight. We're leading to believing for you tonight because out of your heart flows the issues of life. And we want your heart to be in a great place so that you know where you're going in life. And, and maybe tonight there is going to be some people who would like people to pray for them. But there's also there's, there's going to be people who go, you know what? I, I need to learn how to guard my heart. And that's, that's, so it's both and tonight. In Jesus' name. Someone guard our heart above all else because it determines the course of our life. As I was thinking about this, I was like, man, you know, our heart determines the direction of our life. But then our mouth, there's power and life in the power of the tongue. Death and, well, I wrote it down. I wrote, should just, uh, where is it? Death and life and the power of the tongue, and so here's the thing: is well, if our heart's not right, generally our language doesn't get right. Yeah. 
And so I've, I've heard this saying before, hurt people hurt people. Come on, loved people love people. I want to be a person that goes not from a hurt people hurt people, but a, a loved person loves people. Amen. And then also I was just thinking about this. So what about our thoughts? So we've got our heart. We've got our mouth. And we've also got our, our, our mind. And, you know, and, and again, uh, in Romans, a uh, well-known scripture, uh, well, it says, verse 2, it says from verse chapter 12, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. This is passion. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect in His eyes. See, I think if we can get a hold on guarding our heart, we'll get a hold on the words that we speak. But I also think we've got to challenge ourselves on, on the things that we think of as well. And so a little bit of a Warner fitness tonight. Just a little bit of, hey, let's, let's learn how to walk through the x-ray machine. I'm reading a, um, a book right now by Craig Groeschel called Dangerous Prayers. And, sorry, I lied. I'm listening to a book right now by Craig Groeschel. And, uh, you know, he talks about um, praying dangerous prayers. And I, I really believe tonight we've got to pray a dangerous prayer. Uh, not a, Lord, help me prayer. Lord, I hope that something happens. Lord, changes. No, a, a dangerous prayer is like the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139. At the end of 139, it says, Lord, point out anything in my life that offends you. Like, I actually just want to drop the mic and run outside now. Like that, that's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what, what would happen if we actually said, Lord, point out anything in my life that offends you? Uh, but what would be the freedom that would come from the ministry that the Holy Spirit would do in your life yeah. if we truly addressed some of the stuff? I want, to, I want to talk about one person in the Bible. And this person is amazing. He's awesome. He, he's, he did amazing miracles and, and such a triumphant man. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to I talk about Elijah. Elijah, and this is chapter 19, so just previous to this is chapter 18, if you're unsure. But it talks about how, um, how Elijah has this battle on Mount Carmel with the 450 prophets, yeah? I don't know if you know the story, but read it. It is awesome. There is pointing, there's laughing, there's mocking. It is just, it's awesome. Uh, he's like, what are you, what's your God doing? Is he going to relieve himself of the bathroom? Like Elijah is my type of guy. He's my type of humor. And he's, but, he, and he, but then he gets, he's up on the mountain and they've tried all day. They've tried all doing all their little ritual stuff and all that and nothing has happened. And he says, okay, it's my turn. And then, and then he goes on and he says, all right, Lord, this is what we're going to do. He rebuilds the altar. He puts the animal sacrifice on top and, and um, they get water, water, and they flood the flood this uh, offering. And you've got to remember at that time, water was very scarce. Uh, they pray for rain after this part. And so there's water going on. And then he just prays, Lord of heavens, prove to yourself this day. And then and he calls down fire and the Lord calls fire down in it, and it just consumes the offering. And it's awesome. And the 450 prophets of Baal are captured and they're killed and, and all this stuff. And Elijah's like, the prophet, he's, he's pumped up. 
I don't know about you, but have you ever come away from a circumstance or a situation where you've really stepped out in the power of the Holy Spirit? And you're like, man, even if it was like, hey, uh, Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go and pray with that person, or I've got a prophetic word for that person. And you go over to them and say, hey, um, Andrew, I just feel like God's saying this to you, and, and He's going to refresh you. He's going to bring a whole level of a new authority, a new grace, and, you know, and, and you lift them up, and, and, and there's a moment, and you just see the Holy Spirit connecting with them, and He's pumped up, and He's encouraged. Maybe it's just me, right? And, and so Elijah's had one of those moments where he's just trusted God and he's got out on a limb. He's, he's believed and, and God's responded and he's called out this big massive sacrifice and he's pumped up. And then later on it goes through and, 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 he, and he's seen Ahab, King Ahab. It's a great read, by the way, Eight, 17, 18, 19, all the kings. It's awesome. And, and, um, and Elijah's saying to the king, hey, it's time it's going to rain. For three and a half years it hasn't rained. Because Elijah said it's not going to rain. But now he's like, hey, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And he talks to his servant. Servant, run. Run to the horizon. See. Can you see something? Can you see something? No, no, no I can't see something. He says seven times. Go to, the, go to the horizon. Seven times. Goes there. Seven times. Gets back here. And seven times the servant comes back and goes, hey, I can see a cloud. He's like, hey, okay, cool. Ahab, Hurry. Hurry, the rain is coming. Like this is after three and a half years of drought. He's like, hurry. And and the rain's coming in, the storm's coming in, and he's like, and he and he shoots off, and a, a, King Ahab gets he gets back to where he's supposed to go, and uh, Elijah gets anointed by God. He tucks up his clothes and he runs ahead. Power of God moving in his life. You are, I don't know about you, but I would be pumped. Like pumped up on Holy Spirit adrenaline. It'd be, woo. I mean, when it comes to healing right now, I'm pumped up because there's many people that have been praying for healing. And, uh, and I just know, kind of Holy Spirit adrenaline, like God's using you, God's doing something in you. And so in, I was going to say Elijah, First Kings 19 though, this is following, following all this awesome life, cool, used, getting used by God, fires coming from heaven, rain's coming in. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, I want to watch the movie when I get to heaven. Yeah. It says this in verse 19, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. This is his wife. Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, uh, you just as you killed them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I'm like, dude. Um, you need to read chapter 18, 17 and 18 again and just go, what? this is, please hear me, this is just one lady, but there is a spirit operating behind her. He just said a few, one small sentence and it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What? I'm like, what? How do you go from this, this pumped up, believing God's going to consume an altar and pouring water over it and all this, and then going to say, no, it's time to rain and clouds come in and it starts raining down to, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. And, and you might, uh, this is not supposed to be comical at all because it happens, right? It happens. We can, be, we can be flourishing and doing something for God and then just one sentence or one situation, one circumstance can totally transform and alter our entire world. Why? Because often there's a spirit operating behind something or someone has just said some dumb things, but we let it get into our heart. We let it get into our spirit. No one else let it get in. We are in charge of what goes in to our heart. And so, so tonight in the, in the time that we have left, my prayer is let's deal with some of the stuff that we've let get in. I mean, some of you have, you know, you've experienced this, that level of freedom and that level of, of love and that level of grace and that level of confidence and that level of living life to its full. And, and, but then the devil has come and he's come to steal, kill and destroy. And the way that he does it is by stealth. We don't see him coming. We don't even identify it sometimes. And then suddenly we're in this place where we're like, Lord, I've had enough. Lord, I've had enough. And, and, and we see that we're sitting by a tree all along. See, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was there sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate. And he drank and lay down again. Do you want to... I prophetically believe that is the greatest piece of obedience that we could ever learn. You're like, what? And you're like, is it get up and eat? No. I think that's important. No, he just listened to the Lord again. The Lord just said, get up and eat. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've, there's stuff in your heart and, 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 and it's gotten in and, and you're flourishing over some areas in your world and some areas in your heart. But you know that in just this area of your heart, you're sitting by a tree. You're unsure how you got there. But maybe you just got to listen to the words of God. Just get up and eat. Just get up and eat what he provides for you. He provided the food. He provided the water. And then he slept. Verse 7, it goes, Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. Or the, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, I love the fact that the Lord 
comes and he just says, hey, just, just do this simple thing. Just do this simple thing. And then he, then he goes again. Hey, okay, cool. Great that you did this. Just get up and do it again. Let's paraphrase it like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Not plans to sit by a tree. They are plans for good. Because the journey ahead of you, you'll need some strength. And the Lord just takes us where we're at. He doesn't condemn him. He does his, uh, you know. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Uh, where's Alice? Can I get Alice? Just Alice. Alice is good. I want to worship. I want to minister to the worship team in a moment. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, Get up and eat. The journey ahead. Verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days to Mount Sinai. The mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. I wonder the remedy, a remedy, a remedy, possibility, if we would spend a night at the mount of God. I don't know, if stuff's gotten into your heart. You flourished in areas before, and now there's a fear that's crept in. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, you don't, it's not even you. There's a, and you're like, how, what am I doing here? Look at, what? See, I've never truly understood these next few verses, but. I, I researched it more and I listened to a few more podcasts and about it and I just like, man, this is the restoration process that God takes Elijah through is what, what I'm leading us to tonight. Um, verse 10, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Come on at the mountain. Don't hide what you're going through. At the mountain, tell God, what's your problem? Because he already knows. <laughs> but it's for us when we say, Lord, this is where it's at. I feel like this. And as I said, some stuff happens in this world. It happens to you. And it should never happen, but it's happened. Well, just go stand at the mountain. Just go stand at the mountain of God and let Him love you. He wants to listen to you. He says this. The Lord told him, Oh, sorry, verse 11, he says this, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Now I can feel hearts being healed. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. I've never understood this. 
the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. See, I've sometimes wondered about those scriptures. The Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. And I was just thinking about it. And See, the experiences that Elijah had gone through. When you, when you call rain back in, <laughs> when you call rain back in from the horizon, I don't know about you, but at my house, when I see rain coming, it's windy. Like, there's wind coming in, rain's coming in, everything's coming in, and there's an experience that you experience. When, when you're standing at an altar with 450 prophets and you're calling down fire from heaven, fire comes down from God and it, and it consumes everything, shakes the ground, and, and God's in all of that stuff. And then sometimes we think, that the restoration progress is to go back and do all of those things again. But I'm just thinking about that, man. When we stand before God, the only thing we really want to hear is is the fire. There was sound of a gentle whisper. Just a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So why don't we all stand tonight and we just want to create a space. We're the only ones in charge of our hearts. That's why I started off this message this, 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 this evening with, I pray I'm a better person tomorrow. I pray I'm better than what I was a year ago. I pray I'm better than what I was five years ago. Because it's a journey. I've been offended. I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I've been let down. And guess what? I'm sure you have as well. I know you have. It's because of the devil. He's like, how am I going to take you out? That's what his job is. How am I going to hijack your life? How am I going to not let it get to the destination that God has? And so he tries to sneak in tries to get past security. He tries to get into your heart to hijack you. Here's the thing. Elijah experienced it. Let these words of this lady say, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm going to take you out. And he let those words get in. My testimony, I've, I've battled words, really truly have battled words. Battled them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. But we're human. Words still can affect. But I had to just go, Lord, it's you. And I believe tonight, God just wants to fill you afresh. Why? How? 
just by standing at the altar, just by standing and listening to his voice. Because I want to tell you, without a doubt, he loves you. He loves you. I wonder if you could hear the words. Not saying, obviously, Elijah, but but God just says to Elijah, Hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. You don't need to be here. I remember when I heard those words from God. Well, what are you doing? You don't need to be here. And I let him fill my heart. He wants to fill your heart. But I wonder if we'd stand before the Lord to hear his whisper. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.